0: welcome to the Common Sense Gospel. I am still Danny Simmons. And I guess I'm still Kurt Norbit. <laughs> it's good to be with all of you today. We're thankful that you've joined us. The title for this podcast is The Joy of Trials. And that is a phrase that does not make any sense uh, mm-hmm. on the surface and to just a regular person in the world. you know There is no joy when you fall into trials. But this is how James begins his letter. James chapter 1, we're going to center in here on verses 2 through 8. James, we believe, to the best of our knowledge, is the half brother of Jesus. We see in Mark 6 that his name is given as one of the brethren of Jesus who lived in the carpenter shop with the Lord. Jude 1, Jude says that he is a servant, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He is the brother of James. And so, Jude is also mentioned in Mark chapter six as one of the brothers of Jesus. And so we use some of that to kind of tie this together. But the the bigger point out of that, if this is James, the brother of of Jesus Christ, uh, imagine his life and the level and depth of his faith after his brother is raised from the dead and he comes to terms with the fact that his older brother is God, his older brother is deity. And, And we know that Jesus appeared to James because in 1 Corinthians 15, in verse four, Paul says that Christ was buried, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, that he was seen by Cephas, then by the 12. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, in verse seven, he was seen by James, then by all of the apostles, then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of dew So Jesus, now, if this is the brother, appears to him, raised from the dead. And it's just an amazing, so just think about it for a minute. One of your brothers or sisters, let's say you have an older brother or sister, it doesn't matter in this case, just think if they had passed from this life and then came back to you, stood in front of you, and told you the great things of God's eternal plan and that you are the sacrifice, the Lamb of God. You gave your life, you made that sacrifice. It was fulfilled in every way. You've been raised from the dead and you will ascend to the Father. And James, boy, does he take hold of that. So in his entire book, it's really, it's practical Christianity. It is, this is how, what the Spirit offers to us, has arms and legs and does the things it should do and refrains or stays away from the things it shouldn't do. So James is very practical. He is uh, emphatic when he says, "Do these things, my brethren." He says, "Brethren," over and over and over again, which is also interesting because he's the brother of Jesus. When Jesus is raised from the dead, I think he tells Mary, "Go, go to my brethren, uh, because I, I'm about to go to their father and to my father, to their God and my God." So you know, Jesus is making statements now that bring all disciples to himself as brethren. He is one of us at, in, in that sense, and God is our Father. And so James uses the word brethren all the time. And again, it's just a picture there that he understands that, what Jesus has done and accomplished. So we'll, we'll get to the challenging part here. Uh, i said a lot about James. Anything else you want to add to or take away from?
1: No, uh, it, it, it sets the tenor of the, uh, of the book, because as we were talking about a bit ago, it, James is often described as the, the summary of the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of really close connections, and that would fit. Uh, as you pointed out, James is giving practical guidance to live as a Christian. Here's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Here's how you should view others. If you find yourself in this kind of a situation, here's what to do. And Jesus spoke in that way in the Sermon on the Mount. Same thing. Yep. Here's how you should behave in the kingdom. It's it's his manifesto of the kingdom in Matthew 5 through 7. That's right. He's telling the, the disciples, here's what it's all about. And James just kind of pinpoints that, summarizes it in his book, in the midst of trials, and that's Kind of what we're going to look at today. This is why we decided to look at these passages in James.
0: Absolutely, and he gives these powerful, overarching statements that cover a myriad of things that we may fall into in our own lives. Chapter three and verse eighteen, he says, "Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace." So that that's an overarching all through your life. That the fruit of righteousness, uh, as it's worked out, is sows peace among among us and. It covers everything. We can't be fighting yeah. with each other because we want to. We want to bear the fruit of righteousness, and James says that's peace. Mm-hmm. So get to work. And I, you know, I love that about him. Such brief statements with such a powerful, overarching reach uh, to whatever we may fall into in our lives. So, so James one, we'll, we'll read it first. He says, "My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience." But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So that's the text that we're considering today in verse 2 my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So I'm already out. <laughs> this is hard to do.
1: Yeah, well, it's a mindset, especially what drove this, in my mind, in looking at this passage is, you look at the last couple of years, uh, I actually the last several years in our society, but it just all seems to have come to a head in the last couple of years with COVID, you know, how, however you want to view that whole thing, it has caused disruptions in society throughout the world. Uh, now we have, after 75 years of peace in Europe, the longest period of peace that Europe's ever had in its entire thousands of years of history, we now have a war in Europe. And that's had ripple effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hear it all the time in the news, a possible food shortages and we've got economic disruptions and things are very expensive now inflation deflation we've got a decline in civility you can't even go to the store without hearing some somebody use a cuss word it almost reminds me of back when i was in the navy just people cussing all the time yeah and it's just they don't care that they're out in public no and who they might offend that's not even in their thoughts we we see episodes of awful violence in our society. We see disrespect for the law, we see corruption in high places, we see the celebration of death and the the almost maniacal reaction to recent Supreme Court decisions. Uh, We see almost insane reactions, statements from political leaders that don't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, The growth of paganism in our country and we're just all of this upheaval and uncertainty, you know, where are things going? Well, you know, I don't hate to be, I, I hate to be a pessimist, <laughs> but personally, I think our bubble's popping.
0: Yeah.
1: We have lived in a very unusual period in history, and basically, things are returning to normal. You know, when you Back look at history, yeah. uh, and so as Christians, This presents us with a challenge because we don't have experience with this, this kind of upheaval and the way society seems to be changing so quickly. And and what about the future? Where's my 401k going? And I'll go to the store and there's no food on the shelves we have not seen that in America. So what to do? Well, James offers an outlook on things that will help us through it. But as you mentioned, it's counterintuitive count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That just, especially from, from those who do not have a spiritual outlook, who don't see spiritual realities, and, and basically think on a shallow level of what I see around me is all there is. That just doesn't make any sense. How can I have joy when things get tough? Right. Right. And it's not saying that, you know, go out and find something painful, you know, introduce a painful thing into your life so you can toughen up. No, life's going to have, you know, life happens. That's right. It's going to have its ups and downs. And when we hit rough patches, James is saying, that's a time when you should rejoice. And
0: though that seems really weird, he goes on to explain why. That's right. Something's happening that's far greater than what we see, like you said on that surface level. Uh, When you fall into various trials, again, typically for us, just in in our nature, we've counted all joy when we fall out of trials, whether that's incidental or or we finally find a way to wiggle our way out, that once that pressure's off, then we're happy. And he's saying, no, no, it's in that moment when the trial is there and you're in the middle of it. So it lends itself to the idea of uh, colored variations of trials. And I love the examples you gave, because there's a lot of, pressure a lot of outside pressure that's being applied to us and it's hitting home now as as they like to say on the news you know these things are coming home yeah. and, and these things are becoming real with baby formula yeah. and just so people are aware i, I realize that the podcast will ca- carry on through years if, if it's the mm-hmm. lord's will uh we're about to move into august of 2022 and, and this is this is what we're looking at and facing in this time um with the the, the trials that are upon us as a nation and as a people the middle class and then any lower class financially is just strapped Mm -hmm. people are having to cut back on the amount of meals they eat per day and like you said that's not the america we know james is saying that all sorts of things befall us and, and they do cause us to be grieved so it's not that we go to the doctor's office and say oh how many pints of blood do you need you know yay that that's he's not he's not saying to us be insane right what he is saying is, take note. First of all, James, knowing his brother and, and his God, knows that God is in control. Yes. And God allows things mm-hmm. for his purpose, and not all of them are comfortable for us. So come to terms with that first. We're not we're not looking to be in pain or in anguish or to be in a trial, but they do come, and so when they do, count it all joy. And, and I think... One of the big parts of this is because God knows that these things will help us to learn to be patient.
1: Yep. And that's, that's where, it, where he and goes that's next. The point. Yeah, that's what he <laughs> says. That, what is the point of falling into these various trials? He says, noticing or knowing in verse 3 that the testing of your faith produces patience. Yep. Well, it, as you alluded to a minute ago, it seems like James, in this short book, he just packs every word with power. Yep. That the testing of your faith produces patience. That word testing there or in the old King James it's proving of your faith literally means to purify it and those who are familiar with the New Testament know what that constant theme is in the New Testament of being purified That's right. and it is constantly emphasized that that happens through hardship. The example that is given is of the purifying of gold. When you pull some gold out of the ground, it really isn't all that attractive. Nope. It's, it's, usually it's a couple of specks in all this dirt, and they manage to get all these, they refine all of those specks out, but there's still a bunch of crud in that gold because it's a mineral that came out of the earth, a metal. So what do they do? They melt it down so that they can put it in an ingot. They want to shape it so they can handle it. But also, as you're melting it, all this crud bubbles up, and they can skim that off. Yep. But then they do it again. I, they keep on doing that until they get what they call 99.99 fine gold. <laughs> they've, they've gotten rid of all the impurities. But how did they do it? It had to go through the fire to do that. And we understand that in every other realm of life. Uh, For example, if you want to be healthier, you want to build up your strength, you go and work out, you walk, you run, you know, whatever it is you do uh, to exercise your muscles. Well, how does that feel? The next day you're hurting. For me, it's two days later, but yeah, you're (laughs) aching. Well, that's because your muscles are getting stronger. They're not going to get stronger if you don't feel the pain, like no pain, no gain is the, the old mantra for that. So this is something that holds true both in the physical and the spiritual realm. If we're going to be purified and strengthened, we have, to, we have to go through the fire. It's a must. And so if we have the attitude of Christ that I want to be more like him, I want to be purified then we would count it joy when the opportunity is presented for us by the Lord to be purified. Here, and what it, what it requires then is that we look past the immediacy of this trial right. to what is beyond it. If I look to the Lord and take his help to get me through this, and I remain faithful to Him, then that experience, that increased trust in Him, the confidence that He's going to be in my life to help me through that, and now the the knowledge and the wisdom I've gained from that experience is going to make me better on the other side. You're purified. I will be purified. I'll be stronger. As he says uh, in verse 4, I'll be more mature yeah. and complete because I won't lack anything. That's right. And. Of course, that's just a step. That doesn't mean, okay, you, you had your trial for your life. You've been purified. <laughs> no, God wants us to be 99.995. You're going in again. So there's going to be a, another trial down the road. But I've come through the ones before Yeah. with the Lord's help. I like to use the illustration when I was in the Navy in boot camp. Of course, in the military, you always look at boot camp. And, yeah. this, and it, it's meant to be uncomfortable and tough Mm -hmm. but i always figured there's been a whole bunch of people that have gone through this before me and they made it sure i wasn't a christian but that it was that outlook that helped me through that if they can do it so can i same thing here there have been a lot of people look in hebrews 11 of those who suffered trial and were purified and were giants of the faith
0: Mm -hmm. through endurance
1: Yeah. yeah so If they can do it with the Lord's help, then I need to get that same kind of help and I can do it too.
0: Absolutely. And the purifying of gold is a great example. Peter says in 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. It's a a calling for us to suffer in the sufferings of Christ, to, to, to be fellow heirs with him even in his own sufferings. So again, it's hard to pinpoint all of that when a fiery trial or a trial comes upon us, regardless of how difficult it may be. The point that James is making is, and as you made very clear, look to its end. The Lord, I try to tell myself, the Lord wants me to see something here. And it's hard to say that to myself because I'm uncomfortable about it all. But the reality is, like you said, if I trust in him, I'm supposed to grow from this process. I'm supposed to do better and be stronger. And then this idea of your patience, that you would learn to be patient through the trial and learn to trust in God. Jesus makes the same point when he's talking to the apostles about speaking to dignitaries and to rulers, you know, he says, don't, don't worry about what you're gonna say, that the Spirit will, will give those things to you. Um, but he says to them in Luke 21:16 you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. That sounds like a trial to me, your own family. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. That's what Jesus tells his apostles. It is by your patience through this difficult time, you will possess your own soul. Yeah, and that that word also, can be rendered
1: endurance or perseverance. Absolutely. So, that's what's going to toughen us up as Christians. It's what's going to help us grow, that we endure the trial. Knowing that God is permitting this, if you look at again. You've all heard of the of the patience of Job. Right. Jude says so. There's that patience, that endurance, illustrated for us. Yeah. Here's a person who went through a horrible trial. We don't know how long it lasted, or any of the details like that, that, because that's all irrelevant. It was something he was going through. He came out better at the end. Mm-hmm. He was stronger for it. Because he endured, he could see beyond. That's right. uh, Paul is the example of that. He tells us that he considered that the temporary trials of this life aren't worthy to be considered with the eternal glories that are going to follow. Yep,
0: they don't even so compare.
1: That's, that's what he's looking t- toward. And he certainly faced trials. He that's was right. threatened in every city he went to, but he, was, he had his eyes set on a city whose builder and maker is God. Yep. If he, wasn't, if he looked for a country, as, as he's talking about Abraham, to go reside in, then that can be done. But you look to a city. You look to that eternal dwelling with God, and that helps us get through the fact that, you know, this, this is a temporary place for us. It's not our home. No. Yes, it's rough because it's sin-cursed. Yeah. Trials remind us of That's how of it that. is, yeah. Uh, Paul told Timothy, all those who would live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, Now that uh, persecution comes in different manners and different levels. Mm -hmm. But when you set yourself apart as one who wants to live for Jesus Christ, the world doesn't like that. And that's now coming to a head in this country for us as Christians. Right. We're going to start feeling that. And so we need to be equipped to deal with that. And as James says, he says, let this patience, let this, let this endurance have its perfect work that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And if any of you lacks what wisdom, here's one thing you might lack, he gives us the avenue to deal with that. Yep. But it, it, it's time to prepare. We should always be prepared for facing whatever trials may come. As I was saying a moment ago, because God has permitted that. And if God permits something in our life, it's because it's a good thing for us. It's needful for us. God sees this will benefit us. And therefore, we should receive it with thanks and, as James says, with joy.
0: Joy. Yeah. That's still the challenge. But. Yeah. Looking long term, as you pointed out, James, as he concludes his letter, he says, remember the perseverance of Job and that which is intended by the Lord, that he is abundant in mercy and in, in what he granted Job. So God gives us the ability to look at Job's life from the beginning to the end and see how it turned out. Job's not going to see that until the final days of his life. Mm-hmm. But when he did, then he he said, ah, yeah. now I understand. Now I see it. Yeah. So, it's some of these things aren't for us to understand in the moment. It is, again, if God gave us the beginning to the end and said, okay, the next three months will be really tough, but here's the end, so you know, just hang on. Yeah, big deal. Then we wouldn't, our motivation wouldn't be trust. It yeah. would just be, I've already seen the movie, Right. so I'll just get through this. Yeah.
1: All I have to do is hang out for this, for this long, yeah. and then it's all going to be good.
0: That doesn't require faith and endurance. No, no. And we're not learning patience, we're not learning to trust the Lord. Everything's been given to us in advance. So those things can't be what they're intended to be by God if we were given advance notice about even the trial and the benefit that would come afterwards. What we see here is that we are granted patience. There's no grand promise of, you're gonna get a million dollars. You will be patient, you will be perfect, you will be complete, lacking nothing. The interesting thing about the word perfect that I saw in the book of James is in verse 17, he uses it again. And look who it's pointed to. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Then in verse 25, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, everything that's perfect is tied directly to God. It comes from God. Mm -hmm. The gifts that come from God are perfect. The law of liberty that that has come from God is perfect. And the final time we see him say it is in James three in verse two when he's talking about the tongue. It's kind of the same idea. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, he's able to bribe, bridle his whole body. And so it is, um, it's, not, it's not perfection in the sense that we typically think of it. It's like you said, it's mature. Mm-hmm. James is constantly saying to us, this is how a mature Christian handles these things. And yeah. so a mature Christian can smile in a trial and say, God has asked me to trust him in this moment of my life. And he intends good to come from it if my heart is right towards him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it it's going to depend on how we respond. It's, it's just like any time someone gives you a gift. It's up to you how you're going to respond to that gift. That's right. You can reject it or make light of it or just blow it off, not appreciate it, or you can receive it with thankfulness and appreciate that. Uh, and when we like you were saying Job didn't understand why he was going through what he was going through he didn't need to know that neither do we we just know we're going to go through trials and we know what it's for that's what's going to help us through it yeah we in a way we do know the why it's to now make us stronger we've we've got the completed revelation so why, why is God doing this to me? Why is he allowing this? Because he wants you to be a better person. That's right. He wants you to be a more useful servant. Mature Christian. Yeah. And another way to look at it is, uh, you know, we were talking earlier, I believe it. God ministers to the saints through his body, yes. the church. What better way can I be equipped to help somebody that's going through a trial? Than to be able to say to them, Hey, I hear you're going through this. I went through the very same thing and here's what helped me get through it. Yep. When someone hears that there's another person who's experienced this, Hey, I'm not alone. First of all. <laughs> yeah. And now here's a person who went through it and came out on the other side. So he can give me some insight. He can give me some wisdom. And I think when, when he says, if you ask, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that is one avenue God's going to fulfill that request. Through brethren. His body, yep. his hands, his feet, his mouth, that's us, are going to be able to minister in that time. They can give me some wisdom because they've gained
0: it through their experience. Yeah. And a brother in Christ is one that I love because the Bible commands that Mm -hmm. to show that I'm a disciple of Jesus, and so I'm ready to hear from someone who I know loves me. The wisdom of God is amazing. Mm -hmm. We're going through a difficult time, we're not sure why, there are tears daily, and yet there are brethren around us who need to know about that and can assist us. Because like you said, some of them have gone through it already and can say, here's what I learned, here's what I did right, here's what I did wrong, here's what God did in that process for me. And so we are stronger for that god provides it for us and it's a mistake to deny uh, the wisdom that brethren provide through the word of god and their understanding of who he is so that that's amazing that covers verse five that that god gives to all liberally he's talking about wisdom without reproach i love the idea that without reproach it goes back to james knowing his brother jesus that when someone came and asked him of something he never use that to slap them around and say, well, you finally showed yeah. up, you know, I've, you been long here. Enough. Yeah. 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 I've been a servant of God ever since I was born. And now you want, you know, that's not who Jesus is. No. He does not reproach. He wants you to come. He's urging you to come to him. And then reproach is not a part of that. It is a liberal giving to those who yes. are seeking him diligently and who want to serve him with faith, with the trust that's required and with confidence. And, and so don't put God in a box he doesn't belong in. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Not only does he love to give, he loves to give abundantly.
0: That's what he says. He loves
1: says. to show how much he can bless. It's it's an amazing thing about him. Yeah.
0: And he says it will be given.
1: Yeah. Yep. It will be given to him. There's no doubt in that statement. But then he does talk about doubt, but it's doubt that might be on our part.
0: right? Yeah, this is our problem. So verse six, let him ask in faith. This is the person who's gone to God to ask for wisdom. Let him ask in faith without doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So there's this, it's obviously us because he says that he gives liberally to all who ask. Mm -hmm. There is a problem with asking if there's doubting without faith that you come to God and ask. Because we like to say that he, God gives an answer. Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's wait. Yep. And sometimes it's uh, no. Mm-hmm. And the, the, one, the I think the one that's wait is the one we don't like the most because He's allowing something to go through our lives. Yeah. He wants us to move through this storm and be confident in Him, and we got to wait because the answer will come.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's and it doesn't look like He's answering. Right for
1: us in the moment oh god's not hearing me well wait a minute he may he did hear you but the yes it's not the time the right time for the yes right give him his chance be patient as james is saying yeah. here be patient wait on the lord and the yes that he, if he determines to answer it yes it'll be a greater yes than you imagined. Absolutely. Because he gives liberally. Yeah. It, and I'm glad I waited for that because the Lord gave me more than I anticipated.
0: And Paul makes the point that he, he gives and, and does greater things than we can imagine. Yeah. Or even far an, or above even try all that we anticipate. can ask. Think, yeah. Yeah. That, that's so. So don't don't try to whittle on God's end of the stick, as as brethren like to say. And it also, I see this picture here that, you know, don't ask in faith and doubting, or ask in faith, not doubting. Um, it's just a whiny child, which goes back to the lack of maturity that, I want it now, why can't I, you know, I want to, you shouldn't make me wait, I don't yeah. want to go through this. That is childish, Yes. in, a, in an earthly sense. In and a good parent who's trying to train their children will say, oh, you think that's not fair? It, watch, it's about to get worse. Because first we got to fix your attitude and your impatience. And your unwillingness to wait, that has got to be fixed first, or you are never going to grow and develop into who you're supposed to be as a young man or a young woman in society. And so, a good parent does not throw everything at the kid that they're screaming for because they're screaming. Oh, yeah. A good parent sits quietly and says, You can flop on the floor all you want. We don't do things that way in my mm-hmm. home, and I am not going to respond to that kind of behavior. So, it goes back to maturity that the kids still yep. flop on the floor, don't they? Yeah. They got to try
1: yep. it. Yeah, they're going to push the boundary, and you, like you said, you've got to stand stand firm and show them where that boundary is. You
0: you can't get it your way. Exactly is what it comes down to. Exactly. If we give it to them, we've encouraged them to be less mature. Exactly. Yep. And less oh, baby. this
1: worked, so I'll do it next time. And if I want something bigger and better, I just throw a bigger and better <laughs> that's tantrum. That's, that's right. Because that's what worked. Turn it up. No. What God gives and the way he gives it, brings the glory back to him. Yeah. Because we'll look at that and after we've come through it and we see the benefits we've received and we realize, hey, he provided more than I even thought. He's the one who gets the credit for
0: that. Yeah. The glory goes to him. That's right. We can also see that the person who's asking, he says, don't, this man's, tossed about. He's driven by the wind, by an outside source that's between him and God. The the, the wind brings the waves up and it brings crashing down. He's faithful sometimes. He doesn't do so well here. He's double-minded, double-tongued. He's got a lot of issues. Um, God's not going to give him that which he requires or requests at that time because he's double-minded. In other words, you're not going to receive it because the Lord knows. First of all, you can't handle it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're, you're up not and down. Ready for it, yeah, for you're me. all over the place. You don't trust. You're not patient. Um, these things are not going to just be handed to you. So that 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 is still there in that picture. And I I think for you and I to talk to people as we are right now, ask in faith. What does that look like? And I you know to me it is self-examination to to say the words in the prayer to God and to say, Lord, I truly. Believe that you are with me, that you know what's best. You know what I need. You know what I'm asking for today and what I would like to see come out of this situation in my life. Let it not be selfish. Let me see what you want me to see. You know that's faith. I, I used to think that faith was, I believe, I believe, I believe. I really believe you can do this, so give it to me. You know, yeah, yeah. And that's not—it's a misguided uh, uh, definition of faith. It is—it's deeper than that. Well,
1: it's as you were describing. Faith is asking from the Lord, but then being content with what He provides, knowing that that's the good thing. Right, you got just what you needed. He's going to provide. And in his wisdom, he'll give us what we need. And so we can't be doubting in prayer. Oh, I'm going to ask for this, but I'm, I don't, you know, God's, he's pretty busy. And I don't know if he's going to give me this or not. Uh, I've heard this illustrated with the, the hungry donkey comes into his stall and, and uh, his owner plops two bales of hay down in the stall to eat from. And so the donkey just can't make up his mind. He's, he's double-minded. He's not sure what to do about this. And so he winds up starving to death because he can't decide which bale of hay to eat from. How embarrassing. Well, he, you've got this abundance. You, look, you've got ability. You know, here's opportunity. You've got it right in front of you. All you need to do is take a mouthful. Well, I, I just can't figure out. What to do here? (laughs) It's just, it it shows in a way how foolish it is. Make up your mind. Why are you going to pray to God and ask for blessings from him when you don't even believe he's going to give it? Right. Or that you're just not sure he's going to give it.
0: Maybe you believe he can, but maybe not for me. Well, we need to know the assurance from James in that case. He says... You will receive nothing from the Lord because you're double-minded, double-minded yeah. you're unstable in all of your ways. And I, I'm I'm glad that we can evaluate that about ourselves. My walk with the Lord: mm. Am I unstable? Am I double-minded? Uh, and, and am I truly trusting in Him because He gives abundantly without reproach? And that's that's who we want to come to, to know how how eager He is to assist and to help. It's just that the answer sometimes is, is more difficult than what we prefer. Yeah. And if we we feel like
1: we're not seeing an answer, maybe that's some time for some, for some introspection. Look into the mirror, right? as James points out later in the letter. Uh, look into the perfect law of liberty and see if I'm measuring up. And How's it, my reflection look? Right. Yeah. You know, maybe I need to change my attitude in the way I'm approaching God for, for what I think I need. I just need to give it up to Him.
0: And you still have the avenue available, as you said earlier, through the brethren. Yeah, Maybe they can uh, analyze the situation, your heart, what it is you're asking for. All those things are there for us. We can be stronger, we can do better, and and God's made it so possible for us to do it. Um, These challenges are real. We're facing them now, as you pointed out. There's family situations, there's health situations, various trials, and we are to find a way to count it all joy knowing that the testing of our patients uh, strengthens us and helps us with the greater challenges that may come our way. Um, boy, we sure hope this is helpful to you with uh, coming to God, asking Him and, and knowing that a various trial, not, not a time to, to jump up and down with excitement, but to say, okay, this is it. I'm going to find joy. in Here's it. an opportunity.
1: And that really that attitude is something that first has to be chosen and then you need to let it be developed. And yeah. that can only be done. Through enduring the trial, it, you need to. We need to be careful. We don't look at it in a shallow way. Look through the temporary to see the eternal. Amen. Very
0: well said. You want to do some questions?
1: Oh, I suppose. I think I could endure that trial. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: All right. Let me let me give you one. Okay. And give those who time for listening. trivia. Trivia is good, man. Here we go, John chapter Uh 9. You said the blind man was one of your favorite characters in our last episode in the New Testament. Oh boy. So we're going to find out. Now you're you're going to nail me on that. (laughs) What does Jesus use to heal the blind man?
1: Uh, he put clay in his eyes and told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam.
0: That is very good. How did he find the clay?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Kind of gross. He spat in the mud and made clay out
0: of it and daubed his eyes with it. Very good. But the other Bible, just John 9, 6 and 7, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. Mm -hmm. So that is amazing the way he chooses to heal. and
1: Yeah, it's kind of an unusual way, but there's a, there's a test of faith there too.
0: He's so healed it, other blind men by the words of his mouth, by yeah. touching them, and this time he puts mud on a guy's eyes and says, now go do this. You're still, you're still blind. Go find the pool, you know.
1: And I love, I just love this guy. <laughs> For the way he's so sensible. He said, he's asked a couple times, what did he do? What did he say to you? What happened? He put mud in my eyes and told me to go wash. (laughs) And now I see. Figure it out. Yeah, that's what happened. It's not complicated. (laughs) And it's just, uh, yeah,
0: I love that whole story. Well, I believe you now because you got the question right. (laughs) Oh, good.
1: (laughs) Well... uh, Here's my first question, and I don't know who your favorite character is, so I couldn't tie you up on this one, but uh, this is an Old Testament question. Who was it that uh, broke his neck when he fell off of his
0: seat? Oh, man. It's the old dude that uh, needed to take care of Samuel. Yes. He was high priest at the time. Uh Was he a judge of Israel? Um, he's not
1: listed as one. Okay, well, but I can't. It's not He is the high priest. Turn a question into a question. He was the high priest at the time. Eli. Yes, there in. you go. Nice. First Samuel four eighteen. Oh man, Samuel's yes, up there. It was me. Eli. Yeah. And of course, uh, it was the occasion when the news was brought to him that both his sons had been killed by the Philistines in battle with the, uh, Israel and that the ark had been captured
0: that's right the philistines took the ark of yeah. god
1: and and of course god had told him your sons are going to die
0: because
1: mm-hmm. they they have been wicked and you haven't done anything about that's it right you were a terrible father so that happened but then when he got the news that the philistines had captured the ark he just he fell over and says he was a heavy man right and when he and old when he fell over he broke his neck and died sort wow. of a sad ending there
0: What's the passage for his name there, Eli?
1: Uh, it was First Samuel four eighteen. First Samuel That's 4, when he,
0: he, Eli broke his fell off the uh, off
1: of his seat
0: and broke his neck. Okay. Question number two from me after Joab. So we'll go to 2 Samuel chapter twenty. After Joab kills Absalom, he chases after Sheba the son of Bickri. Sheba, the son of Bichri, had gathered the 10 tribes to himself to rebel against David. He says, we have no portion in David. So he's, he's, after Absalom's been killed, he's still trying to divide. This, mm-hmm. And we're told he's just an awful man. Joab and his men find Sheba and Abel of beth ma Now, in that moment, they're outside, they're besieging the city. A wise woman of the city comes out and speaks to Joab, um, and she, she makes a deal with him. So that he doesn't destroy the entire city, you know. She says, "Shall you swallow up this entire city of, of, of prophets and, and you know of the good?" And he goes, oh, "Oh no, I wouldn't do that." So what does she tell him she will do?
1: Uh, I can't remember what she told him, but they brought
0: him his, brought uh, Joab his head. Yes, I'll take that. <laughs> she, she says in Second Samuel twenty and verse twenty one, "Watch, his head will be thrown to you over the over wall. the wall." Yeah. <laughs> So imagine Joab's on the other side of the wall. He's talking to his men. He's like, "Okay, I talked to this woman. She said they're gonna toss his head over the wall. So we'll we'll see. I really like this girl. You know, she's just like Joab. Apparently, she's got the same kind of heart." And then this head comes flying <laughs> over the wall. You know, what did they did they like grab it by the hair and like I guess. wind it up and chunk it over they the put, wall? Put or, it in the catapult or something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Make make it easier.
1: Catap- and like, I was thinking they threw it over the wall, but then I wasn't sure. I go, oh, "Was it that incident or what?" But yeah.
0: Well you know what they, they said they threw it over the wall. when the wall or when the head was thrown over? You know what they said? Oh, here we go, folks. <laughs> they, they they cried out, heads up! <laughs> oh, That's so boy. dumb.
1: Maybe maybe Danny will edit that out. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, my second question for you also is out of the old testament. Okay. Who was it that uh, who tricked Joshua by pretending that they had come from a faraway place? The Gibeonites. You got it. No doubt about that one at yeah. all. Didn't well, even have to think about it.
0: I just read through that a couple of days ago. Ah, okay. Because I'm, that in Second Samuel, the Lord says to David, because of the way Saul treated the Gibeonites, who Joshua made a covenant, covenant with, with. Uh, yep. they need to be um, paid back for the mm-hmm. evil that was done to them by Saul. So... Yeah, that is a very interesting thing, the Gibeonites. Yeah. Man, they yeah. tricked their way into yeah. service to God. Ultimately,
1: yep. They were
0: hewers of wood and carriers of water. Carried water to the altar in the
1: temple. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yep. Joshua chapter nine, verse three. It was the Gibeonites that put on old clothes and got some musty old bread and it looked like they'd come. You know, grew their beards and they're all dirty. And we've come from a far away place. <laughs> and actually, Gibeon's on the other side of the hill over there. So. Just beyond that hill. Yeah. So yep, good job on that one.
0: Yeah, we did. We did a hundred percent. We hope that all of you did well also and, and enjoyed this podcast. This is the practical teaching of James, inspired by the Holy Spirit. That this this is how a mature Christian lives their life, and, and it is our uh, top priority in our lives for Kurt and I to live this out, not not just talk about it, but to see it when it comes, to, to be ready, and, and to to step into God's wisdom and to be what he wants us to be in those very, very difficult moments. Uh, We hope that this is a blessing to you and an encouragement, and you continue to walk faithfully before God for your entire life. Have a wonderful and blessed week.